Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. This past week, I have been reading, almost my chance, I just saw it in a bookshop, a, a very interesting book by uh, a noted historian, Neil Ferguson. Originally, of course, he was a British subject, but I think he now lives in the United States, and he is well known for his historical studies of economic realities, of financial uh, events, and how they have affected our human society over the years. But the book to which I refer and I'm, uh, I'm reading is a book that was occasioned by the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, although it was written halfway into the uh, pandemic, but it was an interesting account of the meaning of natural and human, what he calls catastrophes or disasters, earthquakes, plagues, and, and so forth. Very suggestively, and I think this is why the cover of the book caught my attention, the book is entitled Doom. Now, as you read the book, you realize that there is a great irony to the use of that title because he, at the very beginning of the book, references a television uh, sitcom uh, which featured a character uh, who, whenever there was a, a mishap, would always uh, pronounce word doomed. And the, uh, the little sketch that uh, Ferguson quotes is, from a, a gathering in which one of the people say, oh, we've run out of sugar. And the answer is, we're doomed. But interestingly enough, the subtitle of the book is The Politics of Catastrophes. For the book very carefully outlines not only how uh, catastrophes occur or how plagues are spread, uh, or epidemics are concentrated in certain areas. He also wants to stress how in the past history such events have altered societies in sometimes very dramatic ways, but at the same time how sometimes the catastrophes are, are overcome or dealt with successfully and the societies go on. In one chapter, he says, uh, when talking about earthquakes, you know, the people always seem to come back. He cites the uh, eruptions of Vesuvius in southern Italy, which in history have been very devastating, but yet to this very day in the shadow of Vesuvius, which is still an active volcano, is the city of Naples with three and a half million people. And he had a, a little map showing the most uh, active seismic areas uh, in the world. And, of course, it's the Pacific Rim. But the area from Alaska down to Baja, California, along the coast, is one of the most active. It's also one of the most populous. And this kind of uh, fascinated him when he said the people always seem to come back. They're also very interesting uh, accounts of how, in fact, uh, plagues or epidemics spread, the character of the uh, viruses and the bacteria that, that spread them. But I think that 
what interested me most as I was reading the book was hearing the gospel for the past Sunday, the 12th Sunday of Ordinary Time, which is a gospel account, uh, and the account occurs in all four gospels, of our Lord calming the sea. And it becomes an extraordinary message, almost a command of our Lord, not to lose hope in very difficult situations. Now, Ferguson is also fascinated in the book by how so many people are drawn to apocalyptic thinking, how that has been such a a theme throughout human history. Every disaster, every uh, natural catastrophe seems to foretell the end times. But again, as I said, I, I think of that gospel passage of the calming of the sea that all of you heard on past Sunday. The account in Mark has some very interesting details that I find very moving and very comforting. One is the fact that in Mark's account, Jesus invites the disciples to embark on that journey across the sea and is with them when the storm breaks out. And not only with him, Mark mentions that he is asleep in the stern of the boat on a pillow, Uh, a detail that just found remarkable. What a picture of nonchalance is that. Uh, While the disciples are, are shouting and screaming and calling for help, and they awaken Jesus, and he said, Why are you afraid? And then he He calms uh, the sea. And the last verse in the gospel for that Sunday is a very powerful one. When the disciples, amazed at how Jesus has calmed the sea, and the sea becomes reflective of that calmness that Jesus himself had exhibited throughout the storm. And they cry out, Who then is this? whom even the wind and the sea obey. Who is this? And of course, the answer which comes at the end of all of the Gospels is that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and the victor. And it is in that understanding that Jesus Christ is the victor in all uh, times, all accounts, and that victory will be fully revealed at the Lord's coming, and that coming which is sealed in the mind of God, not in human calculation. So the gospel raised for me some questions about the facts that Neil Ferguson presents in his book. How does a disciple of Christ react in times of crisis and of unexpected disasters or epidemics. Because I think in some cases, especially in the most severe crisis, when nature 
suddenly erupts. And there is a great deal of devastation in particular parts of the world. So often, people ask, is God asleep? Does he care? Where is he in this? And that's not a necessarily a sinful question to ask. It becomes can become uh, an expression of a, a deep sorrow, a questioning. Uh, really, I think the Christians would not say, is God asleep? But where are you in this? And it is an occasion for us to consider the providence of God. How, in fact, the finger of God is tracing his intentions throughout all of our history, in the good times and in the bad. And sometimes, in the good times, it is almost more difficult to tell about the providence of God than in the bad times. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, people are called to prayer in difficulties. Very rarely do they give thanks when everything is going well, and when they have uh, ascribed all of the, the going well, the good fortune, to their own efforts. But that providence of God is mysterious and powerful, yet in fact is an invitation to think deeply on how God works. This is why that gospel passage in last Sunday's Mass was paired with that passage from the book of Job the quintessential disaster victim. But we try then to penetrate into the meaning of these realities, but in fact, we have to live, as God reminded Job, between two virtues. One is humility. That is, we can't do everything. We do not have absolute control certainly not over nature and not only not over our future. But we do have a sense of humility that still calls us to responsibility. And in fact, although we can't do everything, we can do something. And uh, in disasters, that something is right in front of us, that, that person in need, that encouragement we can give, the help that we uh, encourage— it is one of the uh, most uh, touching parts, I think, of the history of disasters and how actually humans react in the face of it and how immediately their desire is to stay uh, to save, especially other persons, and eventually to rebuild. But it is mysterious, it is powerful, but yet we are invited to consider it. And sometimes it is only in remembrance that we see that finger of God acting. So we live between humility and, and hope. We also come to understand from the Gospel writing, and especially in the Gospel of Mark, how the miracles themselves reveal something about our Lord's message to this world. <clears throat> Mark was particularly interested in the miracles of Jesus, and remember that the term miracle is actually a, a Latin-derived word. The word in the Greek text is dunamis, that is an act of power in which God 
breaks into our human reality and heals illness, overcomes the forces of nature that might threaten the human person, even raising the dead. And all of these miracles are intended as a proclamation that Jesus Christ is victor over sickness, he's victor over natural disasters, he's victor over death itself. And although each of these occasions are disastrous and are difficult and are very painful, but yet we continue. We continue in that hope that even in the most difficult of times we find a meaning. And that meaning is that in the end, when all is said and done, history is completed, Jesus Christ is King. 